Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. So anyone who doesn't believe that Jesus came bodily in the flesh and paid the price is not of God. It doesn't matter if, this, if there's an angel that appears before you. Believe me, the devil can appear before people. He can have an angel of darkness appear before you. And, and, and you're going to be overwhelmed. And you'll say, you know what? This whole thing about the Bible is not true. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio for today. Scripture says, Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Some think that this is the only test of false doctrine. This isn't the only test, but it was a significant issue challenging the church in John's time. Today, a person might confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, yet deny that he is God, but the Bible teaches he is God. They who deny his deity are giving false doctrine because they are not presenting a true Jesus. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. All the words seem just fine, but underneath you're like, man, there's just something wicked here. And first be a discerner over your own spirit before you look at others and start pointing fingers. The spiritual discernment needs to start at here, right? It needs to start right with yourself before we start slashing out, right? Peter did this too. Remember Ananias and Sapphira giving a great sum of money. But Peter knew that the motivation behind them was something completely different. Remember, Barnabas sold a piece of land, and he gave everything. I'm sure he didn't parade it around, but he, he just he, the Spirit of God tells us that he just gave everything. And he didn't make a big fanfare. He didn't have a, a, a convertible going through the town with you know, you know, streamers and you know, sitting on the back of it you know, and with his wife and the mayor of the city. No. But then Ananias and Sapphira come, and they say, hmm, we can be popular too. We can be seen as something. What can we devise? What kind of craft can we do? Let's sell the property and only give back half of it. And you know, God doesn't have a problem with them selling a million-dollar property and giving ten grand to the church. He doesn't have a problem with that. You can keep it all, actually. But what the, their sin was is they feigned that they had given all. And the Holy Spirit caught them and says, you know what? Didn't he say that? Wasn't it, in your, wasn't, wasn't it yours in your own possession? You didn't need to bring anything. But no, the sin came when they had the appearance that they were something, that they had made this great sacrifice for God. God says, keep it. 
keep your money. Give out of the right heart. And God loves that. He loves a cheerful giver. He loves people who give because they love him. Because they're involved in with what he's doing. When you give to that, that is a good thing. But if your motivation is to be an elder in the church and you want to give and the pastor's like, well, wow, if I just, you know, if I accept this check of, you know, $30,000 or $300,000, this guy's putting a lot of pressure on me. He wants, he wants to be on the board. Keep your money and go somewhere else. Someone else will take your money. Verse 2, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. This word know is the Greek word gnosko. It's an experiential knowledge. It's not just a knowledge, a head knowledge. It's a, it's a knowledge that is gained through doing, through seeing something firsthand. It's a wonderful knowledge, actually. It's the same word that is used in the Old Testament. It's the same word where it talks about a man and his wife when they know each other intimately. It's the same word. They know. Adam knew his wife. Of course he knew her. That's Eve. No, but it's saying something a little bit different there. He knew her. He knew her physically. He knew her intimately, as a husband and wife should. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist. Anti could mean against or it can mean in place of. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming. Notice, you've heard this, guys. You've heard this was coming, John is telling his audience, and is now already in the world. What was, what was, why was this letter written to begin with? There were at least four things, the reason this letter was written. One was to encourage the church in their fellowship and their relationship with God. The other one was to encourage the church in what they had already heard and what they've already known, and also to warn them concerning not only the physical Antichrist, which hasn't arrived on the scene yet, but certainly the spirit of Antichrist, which he says was already then in the world, and also to combat false teachers and false doctrine, and the heresy prevalent at that time, which was known as Gnosticism. Gnosticism. But see, Jesus has come in the flesh. The Gnostics in John's day did not believe that Jesus was fully God and fully man. They believed that he was a ghost or a phantom, that when he walked, he didn't leave footprints. <laughs> and a fancy word, here's a fun word for you, don't try to spell it, docetism. They held to this idea of docetism, and that's basically any teaching that claims that Jesus' body was either um, absent or illusory, meaning it was just an illusion. That's what they believed in. That was one of the tenets of Gnosticism. But see, Jesus was not a phantom. He wasn't a spirit. Remember when he crossed the water to, on the Galilee? If you come to Israel with us, we're going to go out in the boat and we're going to set in the middle of the Galilee. I hope there's a really cool storm too. That'd just be awesome. And the waves coming over the boat. Wouldn't that be awesome? And then we'll just cry out to God. Wouldn't that be cool? But he said they, they were scared. They were scared because they thought he was a phantom. Jesus was not a phantom. He was 100% God and 100% man. And this is one of the reasons why John is writing this. Anyone who knows, who's, um, believes that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and if they don't, they are not. So it is important that we know that Jesus has come in the flesh. You better believe it. In Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15, go there, please. Open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. 
Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. What does it say? He, speaking of Christ, is the image. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things. Notice, this Jesus, by him all things were created. Do you see that? Jesus created. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have what? The preeminence. Verse 19, here it is. For it pleased the Father that in him, in Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead should dwell in him. All the, all fullness, all the fullness should dwell in him. In Colossians chapter 2, just go over one chapter and look at verse 8. It says, beware, Paul says to this church, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. That's what Gnosticism was all about. Believe me, Gnosticism is very much alive and well today. Philosophies, alternate religions, all, you know, uh, they're everywhere. Christless, atoneless. (laughs) He says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Notice, for in him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Bodily, notice, bodily. So anyone who doesn't believe that Jesus came bodily in the flesh and paid the price is not of God. It doesn't matter if, this, if there's an angel that appears before you. Believe me, the devil can appear before people. He can have an angel of darkness appear before you. And, and, and you're going to be overwhelmed. And he'll say, you know what? This whole thing about the Bible is not true. I'll, here, just to show you a, a token of my power, I'll, I'll create a chili dog. I know you're hungry. Chili dog shows up, you eat the hot dog. And then he says, these things aren't true. Are you going to believe it? Just because it's hard to understand the incarnation and the Trinity, does that mean that we throw it out? No, it's something that you have to believe by faith. And, and faith is not, doesn't mean it's without facts. There's plenty of facts to verify these things in the Word of God. Jesus was conceived by the Spirit of God inside the Virgin Mary's womb, and he was born a physical person and died in like manner, and he was resurrected. He was seen, he was spoken, he was touched. Isn't that what, in in the very first chapter of our epistle this morning, isn't that what John said? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. This is the one. You can't handle a spirit. You can't handle a phantom. You can't handle a ghost. But they heard him. They saw him. They touched him. A spirit does not have flesh and bone. Nor does a a ghost eat. And Jesus did that on the night of his resurrection. That Sunday night, he appeared before his disciples. And they were freaking out when when they saw him. And he says, behold my hands and my feet. It's me. Handle me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see me have. And he showed them his hands and his feet. And then I love it. He's just like a man. You guys got anything to eat? Does a ghost eat? No. Jesus, fully God. These are important scriptures. Because there's all kinds of heresies going around. Oh, Jesus isn't this. Jesus isn't that. Well, where do you get your facts from? 
that these are the facts. Has anything in here been wrong? Have you found it to be untrustworthy? Has God kept his word? Is he going to keep his word? His track record is 100%. Things that he's got yet to do, he's going to do perfectly. And I love that about him. In Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse 14, it says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he, speaking of Christ, himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. And then in verse 17 of that same chapter, it says, Therefore, in all things, he, Jesus, had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself also suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted." He paid the price in his own body. It had to happen. A phantom can't take, can't take the price. No, he physically had to come. He had to have the physical frame. And he took the, the, the punishment which you and I deserved. And the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons, they don't believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. The Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus was the archangel uh, Michael created millions of years ago. The Mormons believe that he was the spirit brother of Lucifer, having God the Father as their father, but equals Satan and the devil, or Satan and, and Lucifer. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says that Jesus is uncreated. We read it just a little while ago. By him, Christ, all things were created. By him, all things were created. He's not created. He is uncreated. He created He is uncreated. He's never been created. So how can one father have two sons, Lucifer and and, and Jesus, that would assume that these both are on the same playing field, the same makeup, but clearly one is uncreated and created all things, and another one is created. We know that Lucifer was created in Ezekiel chapter 28. We're not going to read all the verses, but I would encourage you to look at especially verses 11 through 15. But notice what the Spirit of God speaks through Ezekiel. He's supposed to be speaking to the king of Tyre, and then all of a sudden, here in the middle of the passage, he speaks to the power behind the throne, and this is what he says. I'm going to go right to the verse I want to get to for the sake of time, but there's a lot here. But he says to the one who was in Eden... He's speaking to the devil himself. He says, The workmanship of your timbrels, this is beginning in verse 13, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you in the day that you were created. He's a created being. Do you know that? You have to know that. Because there's going to be all kinds of things coming at your way. You need to know that scripture. He was a created being. That kind of blows the doctrine of the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons right out of the water. It blows it out of the water. Kaboom. Big mushroom cloud. And in verse 15 of that same chapter, he says, You were perfect in your ways. When you were Lucifer, you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. So are they brothers? Are they the same? No, they're very different. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created Jesus Christ, God gave the creation over to his son. Jesus spoke, as it says in Colossians 1, verse 15 through 17. He created all things by him and for him were they created. Do you get the difference? One is uncreated and one is clearly created. They are not on the same level. They are not on the same level. 
Let me just share this, and then we're going to get to the end here. In addressing the Harvard Divinity School in March 2001, a gentleman by the name of Robert Millett, who was the former dean of religious education at Brigham Young University, which is a Mormon uh, university, of course, said the following concerning the Mormons' belief about Jesus. And this is what he said, and I'm quoting from a source, from their source, actually. This is what this gentleman said concerning their belief, the Mormons, in the belief of Jesus. And why am I bringing this up? Because we have to test the spirits, right? Don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits. So we're doing that. Look at what he says, and I quote. He says, while we do not, we do not believe the Bible to be inerrant. Do you believe the Bible to be inerrant and inspired? I do. The Bible says that. Jesus intimates that. It's, it's, it's all there. He says, while we do not believe the Bible to be inerrant, complete, or the final word of God, we accept the essential details. In other words, out of all that, we're just going to cherry pick a few things like that, like that. Mm, tastes kind of good there. I'll take that. That feels good. That makes me feel comfortable in my sin. Oh, did I say that out loud? Um, I'm going to take this. Just going to hand pick a few things and make my own thing and get rich. He says, we accept the essential details of the Gospels, and more particularly the divine witness of those men who walked and talked with him. But then he goes on and he says, we believe Jesus is the Son of God, the Father, and as such. Now here's the deception. That all sounds really good, doesn't it? But notice, raise your hand when you feel, when you sense something really weird. Just raise your hand when you do. We believe Jesus is the Son of God, the Father, and as such, inherited powers. Okay, some have already raised their hands. Inherited powers of Godhood and divinity from his Father, including immortality, the capacity to live forever. And while he walked the dusty road of Palestine as a man, he possessed the powers of a God. Everybody should be raising their hand by now. The powers of a God. No, to them, he's not God in the flesh. They don't believe he's come in the flesh. Even the Jehovah's Witnesses Bible, one of my, I had a really good friend who was a Jehovah's Witness, and the thing that tore our relationship apart is I was trying to convert him to Christianity, and he was trying to convert me to, to, to Jehovah's Witnesses. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. The Spirit of God, I was so young in the faith. I didn't know anything. I was still wet behind the ears. I was just born in Christ. And my friend got out his New World Translation of the Holy Scriptures. He opened up to John Gospel, chapter 1. And this is what it reads in the New World Translation, the Jehovah's Witness Bible. It reads this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. Does that sound familiar with even what the Mormons are saying? A God. He's not God. He's just a God. He's just one of many. Just, he's a good man. He's a good prophet. He's a good teacher. But he's not God. How can they say that he is the son of god and not be this you know and not believe that he if he's the son of god he's he's equal with god everybody say duh <laughs> my daughter knows that and actually she's really smart she's smarter than i am but what does the bible say in john chapter 1 let me read it to you in the real version in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god the same was he was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing that was made was made. That means that Jesus made all things. We saw that in Colossians, didn't we? But the word was God. The word wasn't a God. The word was God. 
And it tells us in verse 14 of that same chapter, defines it a little further for us. And this is actually, incidentally, the verse that got Pastor Jeff saved. Pastor Jeff was got saved on this verse I'm about to read to you, John 1, verse 14. And the Word, because we know up in the first verse, in the first three verses, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, who is this Word? Well, it defines it for us in verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He became tabernacled. He became flesh and bone through the Virgin Mary. We know what happened there in Luke. We read it. An eyewitness account. Does that hold up in court, an eyewitness account? More than any other fact coming into a courtroom, an eyewitness account has so much weight behind it. If you've got an eyewitness account, or even two people said, I saw him walk across the road and steal that ice cream cone. I saw Pastor Rob steal that ice cream cone. An eyewitness account. But notice, the word became flesh, whoever this is. And John tells us in his gospel, I think it's in chapter 5, verse 7, I think it is, 1 John 5, 7, I think. And there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, the Logos, and the Holy Ghost. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Equal, together. In 2 John chapter 1, verses 7, it says, we're going to see this when we get into 2 John. He says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Now we know that there is actually going to be a man, a physical man, who will be called the antichrist. But we also know that the spirit of antichrist is working very well in the world right now. It was back in the time here in the first century, and it's been working very well and doing very great things throughout the centuries to the moment we're at today. But his career is going to be coming to an end. Hallelujah. <laughs> Aren't you glad? Jesus wins. He always wins. It's like playing chess. You try to play chess with somebody who knows the moves that you're going to make. Actually, try to play chess with God when he knows you've already lost before you've even began. He's like, yeah, you're going to go knight to you know, B6 and then you know, the rook to um, you know, A7. And you, this is what you're going to do. You don't know it yet, and then you just watch it play. And you're just sitting there watching you. How can you do that? Well, I'm outside of time. I've already seen it happen. I've already seen the game. You lose. Serve him, honor him, love him. He is awesome. He is wonderful and great, isn't he not? Isn't he the great God of all creation? Isn't he the one who loves your soul so much? Isn't he the one who paid the price? Isn't he the one who went and, and not only secured your place on the cross, but now ever lives to make intercession for you and says, I'm going to come back in an hour that you think not, and I'm going to retrieve you unto myself. Isn't that such a great promise? What a precious promise that is. I am so looking forward to that day. Are you looking forward to that day more than anything? Therefore, don't let anything of these things in the world take your peace away. Don't give your peace away. You hold on to the peace Hold on to the Prince of Peace. Things are going to happen. You're going to be buffeted. You're going to have waves coming over into your boat. You're going to have tempests knocking over your mast and breaking it off. And you're going to have people yelling at you and screaming at you to your face that you're, some, some, you're, you're just some kind of fundamental pre-tribber, weirdo, wacko, UFO cult guy. Let them say what they want. I know in whom I believe. Do you know who, you, who it is that you believe in? It's a sure foundation. Is there anything more sure? Love it. You know we're going to have to stop there. We got through two verses. But next week, 
We're going to finish these six verses and get on with the rest of it. I'm sorry that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as we continue our study in John's epistles. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.